0: Morning. (laughs) No, none of that, please. I haven't even started yet. How can you clap? (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) So good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to it's good to see you. I really mean that. I mean, this is a really cool church. If you're looking to join a church, this is a cool church. So today is the last of our series, Knowing God. And what I want to do this morning is hopefully tie up everything that has gone before, that we've shared in the weeks before, into a framework that I think will be really And I hope it will be as helpful for you as what it's been for me preparing for this morning. So let's get into it. I want to get your imagination juices going. So just work with me on this example here. Imagine that you are at the ground floor of this massive hallway. So you're in like this quadruple, double volume hallway. um, And you look up and there's just this open space. There's like these balconies on each side. Like you know at Gateway where Gloria Jeans is, that coffee shop at the bottom there? You stand there and you stand up and there's just this massive expanse and you've been told that if you can get to the first floor everything your heart needs is on that first floor and it's all for free and you think oh man game on I got to get to this first floor but so you look around and there's no lifts there's no stairs there's no ladders you think to yourself yeah man how am I going to get to this first floor I've got to get to this first floor. So you start on this hunt you look around and then at the corner of your eye you see this escalator you think man There it is. That's it. I'm going to get to this first floor. So you run, and you go, and you get to this escalator. But oh, shock and horror, this escalator is going down. Oh, can you believe it? But you want to go up. It's going in the opposite direction of what you want to go. So what do you do? You sit there, and you ponder, and you think, Oh, man, you know what? If I can walk faster, if I can go up faster than what the stairs are coming down, I'll be able to gain some ground. You know what I mean? I'm sure we did that. My kids love doing that. They, yeah. So you think you can gain ground. So what do you do? You jump on this thing. Boom. And you go. Woo. You go. And choo, it's hard. Eh? And it's exertion. And it's effort. It's like breathtaking effort. Because you know, at the back of your mind, if you stop, if you stop exerting yourself, you're going to go backwards. You want to go upwards. So you're going, going, going. But if you stop, you're going to go backwards. It's getting tiring. And it's harder. And harder and harder. But you keep going and you keep going because you're almost there. You're almost at everything your heart needs. But you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. Does life sometimes feel like that? Hey? Do you sometimes feel that your life is on a downward escalator and all you want to do is go up? Do you feel that you have this need to be busy all the time? This constant need to be doing something. Or maybe the need to be someone You need to act a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way, maintain a certain profile, and the moment you neglect any of those profiles, you feel you're going backwards. So the pressure's on. eh? Now, judging by your mm's, I'm quite confident a lot of us feel like that about life. But I think I'm even more confident that a lot of us have this mindset when it comes to our Christian walks. That we carry this heavy guilt and this burden, that we have to read our Bible more, that we have to pray more, that we have to act a certain way, talk a certain way, fit this kind of Christian box, be a good person. But this feeling that we're never getting anywhere. Now, it's good to do those things. We have to read our Bible. We have to get uh, it. We have to. We, we must pray. We must. They're all very, very, very good for us. We must do those things. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. But if it feels that our like our walks with Jesus, are on a downward escalator, when we want to go up, we need to ask ourselves some tough questions. We need to ask ourselves, why is this so? Why do we feel this way? Because I can assure you that's not what it means to follow Jesus. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. I want to speak this morning on something which I think is the solution to the downward escalator when you want to go up. And I think, um, if we can get this, I think it can bring a real sense of peace and security to us. Sorry, I just want to get my timing going. Um, I think it can bring a real sense of peace and security to us. So let's get into it. So John 15, if you have your Bibles there or if you don't, you can turn up. Um, it should come up on the screen there. So John 15, just to give a bit of context, John 15 is the fourth book in the New Testament. And, and what the first four books are, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account of what happened. So they are accounting what they saw, what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and that's what it is. So let's get into it. So this is John accounting what Jesus said, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Um, I'm reading the ESV. The NIV says, remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Or the NIV, unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever remains in me, are in him. And it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is this abiding or this remaining all about? The famous Google definition of abide means to continue without change, to endure steadfast. Now I read that, when I first read that, I thought, oh my word, is Jesus giving me another escalator to run on? Where the moment I stop abiding, I'm out, boom, three strikes, you're out. Does abiding mean that there's a list of rules in order for us to be accepted, to make the grain, to, to, um, to be on the Jesus team, we've got to do a whole bunch of things? Or to, to remain there, I need to come to church, read my Bible, pray every day, sing worship songs, put bumper stickers on my car, send out weird Christianese, WhatsApp and email messages. Um, you can see how much I love those things. Um, change the way I speak. Be a good person. I've got to do all of this if I want to remain. No, no, no. I want to say emphatically, that's not what it means to abide or to remain in Jesus. The abiding... The abiding that Jesus is referring to is talking about what we believe, not what we do. It's what we believe about Jesus, not what we do for Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come to give us more hoops to jump through. He didn't come to give us more obstacles to climb over. Jesus didn't come to put stuff on us. He came to take stuff off of us. He came to lift the load and the burden for acceptance that we all have inside of us. So what does this abiding mean? So I think the starting point... Is having understanding of what Jesus did for us. Because I think if we don't understand what we did for us, how can we abide in him if we don't understand who he is and what he did for us? You know what I mean? So what has he done for us? <laughs> See, firstly, it means that my filthy, broken, messed up record of wrong living, of disobedience, of rebellion, of lust, of pride, of greed, of everything I've ever done wrong has been covered up and paid for by what Jesus did on the cross. See, there's a price to be paid for our disobedience. Just like if you break a law in a country, you go to jail. There's a consequence. Now, there's a consequence for everything we've done wrong, and that is death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But not the, not a, when the Bible talks about death, it's not a physical death. It's Death is a separation from God. That is death. Death is outside of God. That's what death is. But this is the beauty, <laughs> is Jesus died for us. He was separated from God for us. When he hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was being forsaken so that we don't need to be forsaken. See, Jesus died in my place. But this, and, and most of us get that. I got that for many years. But this is the part that it was often overlooked. And it's a part that I overlooked. And this is the beauty, is that while my sin was placed on Jesus, his perfect righteous record was placed on me. His right, and, and we read this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Where it says, for our sake, he made him to be sin, sorry, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Sounds like a mouthful, but I will explain it now. And this is what Jesus is referring to in in, in John 15, verse 3, where he says, already you are made clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So we made clean because we get Jesus' righteous record. Now, I think in pictures. So um, I'm going to try to illustrate this by way of example. So just work with me. Um, This is my robe. <laughs> and this robe, oh, it stinks. because I put tomato sauce and all sorts of things on it yesterday. I was having great fun in the garden. This robe <laughs> represents every time I break one of God's laws. And, and, and what is sin, really? Sin is choosing my will over God's will. That's what sin is. Sin is saying, actually, I'm going to do this my way. I'm not going to do it your way. God, and listen, it's not, just, it's not just the bad things. I mean, we think sin is all the bad things, all the poofy things. No, but sin is what's in our hearts. Sin is the, the pride, the self-righteousness, where I think I'm better than other people, where I look down on other people because perhaps they might struggle with something that I don't struggle with. And we think that we are better than them, so we look down on them. All these heart issues as well. So each stain here would represent everything that I have ever done wrong and perhaps everything that you have ever done wrong. So we, and also our good things, because the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. But here's the thing, Ron, can you come model here? So, so, so this, this is my, check out this model, eh? Mm, GQ, G. No, you don't need to put it on. <laughs> just, just, no, no, just stand. <laughs> so here, this robe, okay. See, the bottom line is this: is if we had to take God's righteousness test, okay. His requirement for passing is 100 percent nothing wrong nothing wrong internally nothing wrong externally that's what god requires he requires 100 percent obedience okay and if i had to take that test based on not my standards because my standards we all feel good hey right? when we use our own standards we're cool hey eh? i'm perfect when i use my own standards but when i use god's standards i'm in the bush and if i had to take his righteousness test you know what it would say on my report card failed boom shane cadman failed But here's the beauty. Do you know what happened on the cross? What happened on the cross is my dirty, filthy righteousness, let's just say this is Jesus here, was placed on Jesus on the cross. And you know what the beauty was? Is this robe here represents perfect obedience. There's not a stain on this robe. There's no, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no sin, there's no heart issues, there's no external stuff, there's no internal stuff. It was perfect obedience, not a stain on it. And you know what happens? So this report card, before I tell you what happens, this report card of the person who gets to wear this robe, do you know what it would say? It would say 100% pass. It would say obedient in every possible way. Acceptance guaranteed because of obedience according to god's highest standards there would be obedience and there's only one person in the world worthy enough to receive these robes and his name was jesus and you know what the amazing thing about the gospel is is he puts the the the, the sin the stuff the our shortfall was placed on jesus and his perfect record his perfect robe was placed on us That's second corinthians five twenty one. So that when that Jesus took our, sil- our filthy, dirty um, robes we, and then when he was resurrected from the death, we get his robes. We get his record. So when we stand before God, he doesn't see all of us. He doesn't see our stuff. He sees Jesus' perfect record. And you know what he says to us? He says, come, my son. Come, my daughter. Come, come. Because of what my son did for you on the cross and because you are in him. come. And we can stand before God, be guaranteed of acceptance because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Man, I think that is amazing. (laughs) Sorry, I get very excited about this. Um, Now, when Jesus talks about abiding, thank you, Grant. Can I take this off? (laughs) You're amazing, Grant. It is hard. (laughs) Our sin for his righteousness, please don't ever forget this. If you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling condemned, if you're just feeling heaviness, the great exchange on the cross will liberate you. It will set you free, knowing that when you stand before God, you are righteous, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. Now, when Jesus talks about abiding in him, this is what he is referring to. He's referring to believing this gospel. He's believing that I I can't keep all of God's requirements. I need a savior. I fall short. I need a savior. I do. (laughs) I need a savior. And I'm certain you do too. I want to receive this gift that Jesus has has achieved for me. You see, Jesus lived the life I should have lived, and he died the death I should have died. Man, that should convince you of his love for you. That he lived the life you should have lived, and died the death that you should have died. And this puts me in the vine. See, the vine that Jesus was speaking to, that puts me in the vine. See, we don't, and we have this uh, misunderstanding that we think, in order to remain in the vine, I need to bear fruit. So I need to produce this fruit and then I'm in the vine. No, 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 no. We've got it all wrong. We've got it backwards. Because we are in the vine, the fruit naturally comes. The fruit naturally comes because we are abiding in him and what he's done for us. You see, our fruit cannot save us. Therefore, we cannot rely on our fruit to keep us in the vine. See, if our fruit can't save us, our fruit can't keep us in the vine. And what is fruit, really? Fruit is simply a transformed life. It's I used to believe this about God. I used to believe he was angry with me, that I was never good enough, that I fell short, that he didn't want anything to do with me because I have a checkered past, as I do and we all do. I used to believe this about God. I now believe this, that I am accepted, that I'm loved, that I'm approved because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And then the fruit starts to come because of that transformed life. But what do we do once we've crossed this line of faith? So say we believe this. I see something inside of you is going, yes, give me that, give me that. I want it. What do we do when we walk out of here? Um, what, what, what do we do once, once we receive this offer of forgiveness? What, what do we do with the rest of our lives? Which brings me to my next point. Do we live the rest of our lives with this pressure to remain in the vine now? Okay, so I cross the line of faith. I accept what Jesus did for me. What do I do now with the rest of my life? How do I live the rest of my life? Sorry, just can I have some. <laughs> It's all that sweat from wearing those jolly, hot, <laughs> hot robes. Mm. So, <laughs> sorry, Grant, you did get the short straw there. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> do we need to ensure that we do certain things or avoid certain things to remain in this vine? Um, and if we do something wrong, if we slip up, are we chopped off and then kicked out? Or are we kicked out of the vine? I think we stop abiding when we do this. When we say, thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sin. Thank you. It's really cool what you did. Thank you for dying in my place. But quite frankly, I'm okay. Really? I'm okay. I'm not such a bad person. I mean, I'm not half as bad as this friend of mine down the road or the Oaks on TV or the Oaks we read about in the newspaper. Actually, I'm okay. I'm okay. I think I'm going to rely on my own righteous record. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your offer. But I'm actually, I'm going to have a go at this on my own. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to follow you, rely on you. I'm going to work this stuff out on myself. See, it is at that point that we are no longer abiding in him. Why? Because we're relying on our own record, our own record as the basis for our acceptance. You see, the abiding reminds us that we only reconciled because of what Jesus has done. And the moment that we no longer believe that Jesus has paid the price for my sin, that he was the perfect sacrifice, Are we going to try to justify ourselves based on our performance? It is at that point that you are no longer in the barn. In the barn. In the barn. Sorry. But you know what is a great way to test our understanding of abiding? Sorry. Is if we sin. Actually, not if we sin. When we sin. Because I can guarantee you now, we're we're going to mess up. Um, So a great way to test is when we violate God's law. And when we... So, so, say, so what is sin? Sin is choosing my own will over God's will. So when we violate God's will, when we sin, when we mess up, do we do this? Do we throw ourselves on his mercy and say, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Please forgive me because of what you have done for me on the cross. My basis before you is not my record. It's your record. It's what you've done for me. And, and we, we throw ourselves on his mercy and his grace. When we sin, do we do that? Oh, you're abiding. You're abiding in him when you do that. But, um, however, when we sin, if we do this, if we say to God, God, I'm going to make this up to you. I'm going to go to church more often. I'm going to pray more often. I'm going to give some money to the church. I'm going to feed the hungry. I'm going to close the poor. I'm going to fast. and, And I'm going to make this up to you, God. I'm going to prove that I am worthy. What are you doing? You're relying on your own performance again. You're relying on your record as a justification before God. And at that point, we're no longer abiding in Him let me give you a heads up. If that's how you want to approach God, it is going to kill you. And you're going to feel like you are on this downward escalator. And you're trying to go up because we'll never, ever be good enough. Please, when you sin, run to God for His acceptance. Don't try to clean yourself up because you'll never be able to. So what is abiding? If I can, if I can summarize it in three words, it would be this. Abiding is believing, trusting, and receiving in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Believing, trusting, receiving and what jesus has done for us because you see for years i thought abiding is about behavior i thought abiding is if i do xyz and a whole bunch of godly things then i'm abiding so i have got to do all these things behavior in order to abide but i'm starting to slowly realize that abiding is more about believing than what it is about behavior you see the right believing translates into right behavior the right behavior will come if we've been gripped by this gospel. If if Jesus has so captivated our hearts, the behavior starts to come. Is he abiding on not events. It's not events that we have to do. We don't move from a place of, now I'm in the vine, now I'm out the vine. Now I'm in the vine, now I'm out the vine. I'm in the vine, I'm out the vine. No. When we believe in what Jesus has done for us, we are in the vine. We are in the vine. We are in the vine. Now this sounds really cool, doesn't it? I hope it does. Sorry if it doesn't. I'm really trying to make it as amazing as what it really is. But how does this truth, this truth translate into our everyday lives? Um, what do we do with this abiding truth? Do you know what we do with it? We allow it to infiltrate the deepest recesses of our hearts and change the way we live. And change the way we live. Because the reality is that there are many options available for us in which we can abide. There's many competing beliefs in life which we look to for acceptance and approval. We all abide in something. We all do. We all abide in something. Let me, let me illustrate by way of example. So I'm going to get a little personal here, as I always do with my preachers. I'll try to hold the tears back. <laughs> but um, So, what I want to do is I'm going to share some of the things that I abided in growing up and then how I abide, sorry, how I apply this abiding in Christ where I find myself in my life today at, as we stand now. Whatever the date is, March 2018. So growing up, I wanted to be the cool kid in primary school. My mother will attest to this. <laughs> I used to walk a certain way. I think I was a main Talk a certain way. Act a certain way. I just wanted to show off. If I got a merit badge, I'd put it on there. Until this thing was frazzled and falling to pieces, I would wear this merit badge. I remember once getting a certificate. I can't remember what it was for. But I remember putting it on the window. She probably doesn't even know this. We put it on the window so that when we drive, everyone can see. Hey, I got that certificate. Check at me. Check at me, bro. I got that certificate. <laughs> so glad we can laugh about it now. Um, <laughs> but deep down inside, I longed for affirmation. I longed for affirmation. Then in high school, it moved from trying to be cool to trying to fit in. So whoever I was with, I would be like them. So if I was with the bullies, I would bully people. And I'd be like, whatever, try to beat people up out of insecurity and trying to be a mano. And if I was with the people that, that smoked weed, I would smoke weed. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> um, I would smoke weed. And I remember the one day, one of the ringleaders of that the kind of little group saying to me, you know what, Shane? Hey, I used to think you were such a nerd. But I think you're so cool now because you smoke weed with us. And I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll smoke more weed. I'll smoke more weed. Then I'll, then I'll fit in. Um... But at the back of my mind, I thinking, you know, actually, I really, I really don't want to smoke weed. I really just want someone to accept me for who I am. At the back of my mind, I was thinking that. And then out of a desperate desire to fit in, I'd say the dumbest things at the dumbest of times. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. So you're standing in a group. Everyone's talking, laughing, all chipping in. But you saying, whoa, how's that? <laughs> you're saying nothing. So everyone's talking, and you're just standing there. And you feel you've got to say something. You've got to prove that you're valuable. You've got to prove that you're part of this thing. So you say something, and it's weird, and it's crazy, and it's out of context, and everyone stops, <laughs> looks at you like you crawled out of a piece of cheese, and they carry on talking. And you're like, oh. And then you say to yourself, whether it's true or not, these guys must think I'm such a loser. These guys must think, I don't belong in this group. Well, I've blown it now. Better find a new group to profit it in. See, all these things I abided in growing up, was just looking for affirmation, acceptance, and value. And the more I tried, the more I tried to fit in, the more it was like I was on this downward escalator and I was trying to go up. But what about today? <laughs> now we get tender. So I'm convinced that I'm a sinner. I'm convinced that I'm in the vine because I know how rotten, and how dirty my heart is and I know what's inside of me and I know that I'm forgiven and I'm accepted based on what Jesus has done for me. But to apply that to my everyday life, is something else. You see, I would love to stand up here and say that I have this abiding in Christ all sorted. Amen. I've got this thing waxed. But unfortunately, um, it doesn't come naturally to me. You see, believing the right thing is contrary to <laughs> what's inside of us. We've almost got to force ourselves. It takes effort to believe the right thing because our default mode is I'm not good enough. I'll never be accepted. I'm not good enough. But actually, no, what do we need to do? We need to preach the gospel to ourselves, which I'll get to now. So, what are I abiding now? <laughs> so, one of the things which I've got to struggle not to abide in mm. is my work. So, I work in an environment where if you bring in lots of business, boy, everybody knows about it. There's emails that go out every week. The emails are going out. This guy brought in this much business. Woohoo, he's at the top dinners, trips, um, emails, phone calls. And um, when I joined my business, I said, man, I want to be in that group. I want to be in that top leader group up there. Mm. Those guys must feel valuable. Those guys must yeah, those guys must feel like uh, they've arrived. They're the numzans. So what did I do? I set myself a goal to be there. And, um, and I say this humbly, please. I'm not drawing attention to myself. But, but I made it there. So I made it into that leader group. And you know what happened? You know what changed? Nothing. <laughs> I didn't feel more valuable. Yeah, you know, I got temporary respect. I got a little bit of dinner here and there. Nothing changed. Nothing changed, because you know what? Actually, here's the thing. <laughs> um, I didn't even realize that I was abiding in my work until I fell out of that leader group. Because <laughs> as we stand now, I'm not in that group anymore. <laughs> and, and you know what's happened? Is um, <laughs> I have to force myself, where are you finding your value? Where are you f- where, what is giving my life ultimate purpose and meaning? Because now that I'm not performing in that leader group anymore, The who's who of management, want nothing to do with me anymore. (laughs) And I have nothing against the company. Great company. Awesome company. Um, Don't have any hard feelings for them. But I no longer get invited to to talk to the new guy. Nobody phones me anymore. (laughs) I don't get invited to these dinners. Don't get invited to these lunches. My name doesn't appear on these emails anymore. So, (laughs) um, yeah, let me get back to my notes. (laughs) Um, So my my name no longer appears in these emails. But you know what? If I'm completely honest, I'm a little bit sad. <laughs> I'm a little bit oh, my value taking a knock. Oh But you know what? At that point, I preach the gospel to myself, and I say to myself, "Shane Cadman, the creator of the universe, God Almighty accepts you." values you irrespective of how you perform get this do you want to be a, do you want your value to come from having to constantly perform all the time all the time try to be in that group all the time or do you want to be accepted and your value to be derived from somebody else's performance from this perfect robe from the performance of jesus because i promise you this when we embrace this and when we put this perfect robe on it is liberating it is liberating because we realize we don't have to perform anymore because my acceptance, my value doesn't come from what I do, but it comes from what has done, been done for me on the cross. You see, if Jesus chose to die for me, that means I'm valuable. Grant shared a brilliant story a while ago of two soldiers that were in a bunker and a hand grenade came in. And the one soldier threw himself on the other soldier. Not on another soldier. Pfft, that'll be worrying. Threw himself on the other, um, goodness gracious, sorry, on the grenade. Thank you threw himself on the hand grenade and the hand grenade went off and the other soldier survived. The one soldier died, the other soldier survived. Now, that soldier that passed away must have thought that his friend's life had incredible value to be able to do that. Okay? Now, imagine if the surviving soldier walked around telling everyone, hey, you know, I don't know if, I, I if that guy thought I was valuable. I, I don't know if he thought I was valuable. You'd want to slap him. You'd want to say, Brutho, died for you how much more convinced of your value can you be? And you know what? Not some random soldier died for us. Man, the King of the universe, God Almighty, got off his throne in heaven, came down, wrapped himself in flesh and human form and died for you. My friends, you are valuable. You are valuable. See, back to my performance story. You see, Management abandons you when you don't perform. I have nothing against my company, but this is just corporate reality. Management abandons you when you don't perform. Jesus will never abandon you. God will never, ever abandon you, irrespective of your performance. He will always be there for you. You see, the only thing to abide in that will never let you down is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. God is pleased with me because I am in Christ. I'm in Christ. He accepts me because of what he's done for me. And I remind myself, that if the acceptance and the approval—if I have the acceptance and the approval of the Most High God—really do I need my company's approval and acceptance? When, when uh, the what did they say? The the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards, and Jesus is far more worthy than what my company is. And I'd much rather have His approval than my company's approval. How are we doing for time? So when I begin to understand that abiding is about right believing. Then, this is the beauty. Wherever I seem to find myself, that is where I abide. Does that make sense? So, I remind myself of what Jesus has done for me. See, wherever we are, if you're at work, if you're a barrister, you're making a cappuccino, you're, you can abide. When you teach, when you raise kids, when you fix an engine, when you, when you sell, if you're in sales, if you're studying at varsity, whatever you're doing, you can be abiding because you, you, at the back of your mind, you know, man, I am accepted. I can do this for God's glory. Because I am accepted. Whoa, acceptance is a beautiful thing. I've swapped robes. I don't need to perform. I know that I'm valuable because of what Jesus has done for me. And I have nothing against like, thriving in business and studying hard and working hard and doing all those things. Those things are good things. Just don't find your value in them. Do them. Do them to the best of your ability. But don't find your value in them. Find your value in the fact that Jesus Christ died a horrific death for you and he was raised again. That is ultimate value. That is ultimate meaning. And if that doesn't convince you that you are valuable, please go home and ask God to show you. I'm trying to do the best I can with my fumbling words and my illustrations and all of that, but actually the best person to show you how valuable you are is to go before God and say, Lord, please show me how valuable I am to you. So I've spoken about abiding in my work. What about the approval of others and approval in general? See, instead of looking for affirmation from people, I don't need to be someone I'm not anymore. Because I have the acceptance of the Most High. So there's no need for me to chip into a conversation. There's no need for me to smoke a joint to try to fit in. Because I'm secure in my acceptance before God. Because it's not based on what I do and what I don't do. It's based on what Jesus has done for me. Can you begin to see, friends, that abiding in Christ is not an event that we slip in and out of as we go through life. See, as you believe what Jesus has done, we abide in Him. And that truth begins to affect every other area of our lives see wherever i go whatever i do i wear the robes of acceptance i wear the robes of approval please don't think abiding in christ is when we sit down we read our bible we come to church these things are good they're like fertilizer in the soil of our hearts which cause the fruit to grow but they they that's not abiding i I can abide wherever i am because i'm in the vine because i'm in the vine i'm in the vine abiding is more about believing then it is about behavior. Because when we believe the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done, the behavior will automatically follow See, do you believe in a God whom you need to appease by your performance and somehow prove yourself and hopefully gain his acceptance? Or do you believe in a God where you are accepted and approved because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross? See, to go back to my an- analogy of the escalator, going down when you want to go up, you know what Jesus does? He brings, I spoke about the first floor, needing it. On the first floor, there's everything your heart has ever needed. Actually, you know what the gospel does? The gospel brings the first floor down to the ground floor. You know how he does that? Is Jesus does that by wrapping himself as a person, coming down. And he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus brings the first floor. Jesus brings his level down to our level so that we can be on his level. You see, Christianity is not like other religions or philosophies where we try to climb up some sort of levels of holiness. No, 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 no. Christianity is God came down to our level and says, I will do it for you. Come, I will make a way. And he takes us up to his level. He does the performance. We do the believing. We believe in him. Guys, there's nothing left for us to perform or to approve or to prove but to abide in Christ, to abide in his acceptance, to abide in him. And you know what begins to happen when we believe this truth? We cannot help but want to spend time with this incredible God. We want to pray. We want to read the Bible. We want to go to church. We want to do all the things of knowing God that have gone before in this series. We want to do these things not in order to be accepted, but because we already are accepted. See, the things, they now become a uh, a means to know God. They're not the means to be accepted by God. They're a means to know God more. They're not a means for acceptance. We already are accepted. You see, because I'm accepted, I want to know this God more and more and more and give Him my all and surrender my all to Him because I see the beauty of who He is and what He's done for me. I want to give Him my all. And friends, that sums up the Knowing God series. (laughs) So, can, Can I encourage you? Wherever you find yourself, Nate, thanks. Wherever you find yourself, abide in him. Remind yourself of your acceptance in him. Can we stand? We're gonna worship and then grant is gonna close. I'll pray for us as we stand. Um thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are so loving. You are so caring. You are so good to us. You paid a price that we could never pay, and we want to give you our all, Lord. We thank you that we can abide in you because of what you've done, Lord. We thank you that you've taken our filthy, dirty robes upon yourself, and you've put your clean, pure robes before us, that we can have access to you, that we can worship you, that we can pray to you, that we can be so confident that you are near because you've made a way for us to be with you, Lord. You've brought the Holy of Holies to us. You've split the curtain that we can enter. And we praise you and we worship you and we thank you for who you are in our lives, Lord. Amen.